0: I thought it was interesting the uh, the opening story that uh, Evan used today because it, if I didn't say any more today, he kind of in that opening story summed up pretty much the things that I was going to talk about, which I thought was quite interesting, um, and the principles of uh the chapter here that's before us. We're up to the uh second study in the series on Christlikeness. And um, the text is from chapter three of Colossians one to seventeen. And the heading in my Bible is rules. Rules for Holy Living. It's exciting, Chris, isn't it? Rules, more rules. I'm sure you get excited when people say they've got some rules for you. And if I was to start today with, um, with a whole lot of do's and don'ts, uh, I don't think that it would invoke much of a response f- from you on your journey to Christ likeness. And I suspect, uh, I don't think that it would. Uh, You don't need me to expand on verses 5 to 10. You look at them as we sit and talk because you already know that those things are wrong for a Christian. So I could talk about them, but the truth is most of you have been on the journey for a long time, so you already know what's right and wrong. That's probably not all that helpful to dig down too deeply into those things this morning. There are things that belong to the old fleshly nature, sexual immorality, uh, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed which is idolatry Uh, and verse 8 says that we must rid ourselves of such things as anger and rage and malice and slander and filthy language. Then there's a a much more uh, positive list in verses 12 and 13 uh, that we should clothe ourselves daily with compassion Kindness, humility, gentleness, patience and forgiveness Now we could spend the whole morning with a dictionary Examining what those words mean um, And what those phrases mean Or we could get even more excited, Graham. We could get a thesaurus or whatever they call it out And I could find ten other words that describe those things But I wonder really whether that would be all that helpful for you Would it help you to be more Christ-like or might it just beat you up, make you feel somewhat guilty that you haven't quite reached the standard even though you've been on the journey for a long time? And maybe it would point out to you how far short of the mark that you might have fallen. I telling you, lecturing you, shaming you uh, won't lead to any lasting change. If telling you to change worked, you would have already done it because I'm sure you've been told many times in the past and I'm sure this passage is not new to you. No, telling people to change uh, doesn't work. Only the Holy Spirit brings about anything of lasting change in the life of a Christian. Christ-likeness is the goal. You have to want it here in the heart, not, not in the head. So all of the all of the information that you might have conveyed to you about what's right and wrong won't have much of an effect on your life unless it's here in the heart. Um, I want to think about those things today. So uh, I want to look at some of the bigger issues here that and some strategies that might help us on our journey towards Christlikeness because that's what the series over the next few weeks is all about helping us to be more Christlike rules, generally we don't like them we feel restricted by them and nobody's a fan of having to follow rules Brian is not too much fun about having to do that is there? but that's life, sometimes they're good for us but uh, most of the time we're not too keen about them. I don't know what you did over the summer, but uh, I'm sure some of you would have watched the tennis. And uh, time and time again, the commentators referred to the coaching team of the person who was playing. There was always in that coaching team a mind coach. Well, what's the definition of a mind coach? And I looked it up and it says this, a mindset coach, they are dedicated to rewiring an individual's mindset, allowing them to be the very best version of themselves and to unlock their full potential. Now, maybe Nick Kyrgios had been listening to his mind coach because if you watched him, he was very entertaining and he was quite well behaved. I did see him break one racket and have a go once or twice at some people, but generally speaking, he was quite subdued to what he usually is, and he's a very good tennis player too. So what was the difference? Maybe the mindset coach. Now, Roger Federer, uh, after his epic third-round match with John Millman, um, had this to say. He said that he had to stay focused... Make the right decisions Because the demons are always there They are always lurking I thought about that And I thought, no, surely not For a 38-year-old, $450 million world champion But sadly it's true for Federer And it's true for us today The demons are always there They are always lurking And they are always challenging uh, the way in which we live, the way in which we act and the way in which we behave. And I was thinking about this when we got a shower of rain recently and um, after the prolonged dry, uh, the ra- after the rain everything was covered in dirt and I couldn't smell the dust in the air. I'm sure maybe if you're an asthmatic you might have been concerned by it, but I couldn't smell it. Um, it didn't so- I didn't seem to be affected by it. But everything around me was discoloured. The ground was dirty, the houses were dirty, the car was dirty. Not just dirty, 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 you know, like it was staggering how much dust was in the air. And the same is true of our Christian walk as we journey towards Christ's likeness. Ignoring what we know should not be part of our life, um, if we ignore that, <clears throat> Our character uh, is distorted and things get messy. Even though we don't sense those things are a problem, we don't sense that they're there, they are. And the evidence of them comes out in the way in which we live. Now, Paul challenges us today uh, in this uh, ch- book of Colossians to pursue, uh, in the pursuit of living a Christ like life of godliness and to do that we need to be vigilant and on guard. He says a number of things in chapter 2. He says this, Knowing that all wisdom is in Christ, in the first five verses, Paul urges the Colossian believers to continue in him, that is in Christ, in verse 6 and 7 in chapter 2, not being deceived by vain philosophies in chapter 2 again and 8 and 10, and since believers are identified with Christ, they are not to live under the Jewish law, uh, verses 11 down to 17. That would only rob them of their reward that he talks about in verse 18 and 19. And finally, he ro- reminds them that they have died with Christ and therefore they need not submit to legalistic rule in verse 20 right through to verse 23. And as a result, they have been raised with Christ so that they should set their hearts on heavenly things as uh, verses 1 to 4 in chapter 3 outline. They should put to death sinful worldly practices in verse 5 to 11 in chapter 3 and they should clothe themselves with, ver- with Christ's virtues in chapter 3 again 12 to 17. It then follows this should affect their relationship with other members of the family and society around them. And even though we're not looking at the verses, verse 18 right through into chapter 4 and verse 1 talk about those things. Chapter 3 is calling for behavioural change. Now, change is never easy. Certain habits can haunt us and harm us, but change is not impossible. Chuck Swindle, another quote of Swindle, um, says this The number one enemy of change is the hardcore, self-satisfied nature that lurks within each of us and like a spoiled child it's been gratified and indulged for years so it will not give up without a violent temper tantrum The flesh dies a slow, bitter, bloody death Kicking and struggling to the very end. Never underestimate it. Putting off the clothes of the old self, the old habitual lifestyle, uh, will not be complete until we are determined to put on the new self, the new fresh Christian lifestyle that Paul talks about in verses 9 and 10. Change, real change, takes place slowly in first gear, not overdrive. Change takes place slowly it's a first gear event it's not fast, quick and all over in a few seconds my four wheel drive car has a low low range in it and in low low range you can do just about anything in terms of it'll get you through the mud it'll get you up the steep inclines it'll pull the stump out if you want to And in that low, low range, it could eat Toyotas for breakfast. Um, But there's probably not too many Toyota drivers here, so that probably uh, is not relevant. But don't be discouraged. Change takes time, sometimes a lifetime. But with the Holy Spirit, you will make progress. God did not give us his word to satisfy our curiosity. He gave it to change our lives. He didn't give his his word just to satisfy our curiosity. He gave it so that it would change our lives. Today, will you ask yourself, what specific changes could I consider need implementing in my life? Maybe it's an attitude towards someone else. Maybe it's an area of stubbornness in your life that needs addressing. Perhaps a deep-seated habit that has hurt you and others for years and you've never done anything about it. Cheating, laziness. I don't have to tell you because you know better than anybody else today what areas of change are needed in your life on this journey to Christ-likeness that we're pursuing. Today, if you ask the Lord to help you to alter or adjust things that are not helpful in your life, he will do that. Swindle says of this process, you can count on the Holy Spirit to dispose of your old threadbare wardrobe as quickly as he outfits you with a new one. The Holy Spirit is on call 24-7 to help you to when you have an urge to slip into the old duds just one more time. I've got a question for you. In your journey, how many just one more times has there been? How many just one more times? Happens to all of us. Probably far more than we're willing to admit or we would want people to know. Alistair Begg says being a Christian is declaring that Jesus is Lord. Declaring that Jesus is Lord is a statement of fact for he is Lord. Um, It is far more than an affirmation or a personal devotion. Jesus is Lord. His Lordship should not only affect our minds by teaching us what to believe but it should affect our morals changing the way in which we behave the real test today of our submission to the Lord Jesus Christ is our obedience nothing more nothing less you want to be on the journey to Christ likeness Jesus says obey my commands nothing more nothing less John 14 verse 23 Jesus says if anyone loves me he will obey my teaching nothing optional here this is the path to Christ likeness the measure of our love for Jesus is found in our obedience to what he said and taught now in this chapter chapter 3 and verse 1 it says that we have been raised with Christ this is a true statement of fact And it is true of every one of us here today that we have been raised with Christ. And as God's children, just note this, our sins have been forgiven, we have been adopted into his family, we have been given the status of sons and daughters, we have a new status and a new nature, we have a new address, we have been relocated, we have been raised with Christ... And that is why verse 1 says, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Now Paul says in verse 3 and uh, 4, our spiritual environment now is that we are what? Hidden, hidden with Christ in God. Hidden implies concealment and safety, invisibility and security. Secure and safe in Christ, who is in fact our very life, that is a good place to be, secure and safe in Jesus now Romans twelve and verse one and two reminds us of this fact it says because we 've been transformed by the renewing of our minds, we want to prepare ourselves for action in the place uh, in <coughs> I am in a new place as a Christian, so I should prepare my mind for action. I should now have new priorities as a Christ follower. Verse 4 reminds us the prospect of the Christian is that Christ is indeed our very life. That's why Paul could say in Philippians 1 and 23, for me to live is Christ and to to die is gain. Our confidence today is that we will live forever. When Christ, who is our life, appears, you are going to appear with him in glory. That's what this is telling us. With it, What is our confidence today? That we will live in eternity and that we will have new bodies. Christ is indeed our very life today. And in verse uh, in John 14, verse 19, Jesus said, he was going to where the world would not see him anymore. But when he appears in the rapture, in 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 16 and 17, we are encouraged that believers will appear with him and be glorified in him. Our whole life, everything about our being is tied up with our relationship with Jesus and what He has done for us. This prospect should impact how we live and prepare for His coming. Christ should be the focus of our life and central to all that we do. Focusing on Christ is a great motivation for His coming. Paul says Christ is going to come and we should be prepared. And in verses 5 to 11, he gives us a list of things that we can only face in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's a battleground, not a walk in the park. Verse 5 calls us to put to death certain things and then he lists those things that we should work on. You can look at them yourself. Verse 3 says clearly that we have already died and our life is now in Christ So in verse 5 then when he asks us to put to death these things should be dead in our lives. We have died to sin in Christ. Sin no longer reigns over the Christian. No longer controls the Christian. No longer rules over the life of the Christian according to what Paul is saying. Now the older people here today uh, will remember Major Ian Thomas. I don't suspect the younger ones will remember him. Uh, But he was of the cape and ray bible college fame and he was a regular speaker at belgrave heights Um, he had a particular theme when he spoke he used to say that christians should live their lives recognizing that christ is in you adequate for every situation have i got that right rob they, exactly. It didn't matter what message Thomas gave. Most of the, the, the most of the theme would be around this fact that Christ in you, as a Christian, is adequate for each and every situation that you will ever in, ever meet. Uh, he would go on to say um, that the Christian should think in terms of vacating and Christ occupying you. Vacate. He occupies. You vacate, he occupies. You vacate, he occupies till you just get on one long vacation and Christ is in control. And that was was really the theme of what Major Ann Thomas would preach. Good principle. The Christian, uh, to be Christians... um, We desperately need Jesus to come and invade our lives and the Holy Spirit to overwhelm us with his love and faithfulness. So to create within us a desire to do that which the word of God calls us to do. Now Alistair Begg says of this journey for the Christian, at age 23, he thought by age 33 he would have it all worked out. And he would have mastered his behaviour. And he's a very famous preacher. At age 33, he thought that he might need just another decade to get his life under control. Then he said, now that I'm 53, I understand what Murray McShay, that Scottish minister at Dundee, said. He said, I have discovered that the seeds of every sin known to man dwells within my heart. And that's why the journey to likeness is not easy. It's a challenge. Never underestimate the seriousness of sin. 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9 tells us, Be self-controlled and alert, for your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Verse 9 says, resist him, stand firm in the faith. Every sin starts within. We are orientated that way, we are wired that way, naturally. So what's it mean for us today? We could, as I said, look at all of those verses, we could extract different thoughts from them, we could look at why those practices That are negative, there are not good for us. But the studies are to lead us towards a life of holiness and Christlikeness, that we might, our, our lives might change for the better by reading and studying and sharing together the Word of God. Now, you are positioned by Christ for fellowship with God. Paul's made that very clear. You will live with him in his eternal glory if you make him the priority of your life. You are a new creation in Christ. The old is gone, the new has come. Put to death whatever belongs to the old nature and put on the virtues and the characters of Christ, characteristics of Christ. The book of, the theme of Colossians has a theme. And you should adopt it for your life. The theme is, it is all about Christ. It is all about Christ. And the journey to likeness is all about Christ and how we live. So I have five things as we finish for you to uh, think about this week. Number one, what does the phrase, you have been raised with Christ, mean to you? What does the phrase, you have been raised with Christ, mean to you? What must you do or change to make Jesus the priority in your life? How should you acknowledge that you will... uh, uh, Sorry, how should the knowledge that you will spend eternity with Christ in his glory... Impact how you live today? What aspects of the old nature do you battle with and what could you do to encounter them, to deal with them? And lastly, think this week of how that you can live out what verse 17 says here. Whatever you do, let me read it to you. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Christlikeness. It's easy to pick a study like this, nothing difficult about that. It's easy to say, but I can tell you it is, takes a lifetime to live out. It is difficult but it is the best life. It's the life that we're called to live and to pursue. And Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments and those other things will follow. The real key to Christ likeness is not how many studies we do on the subject. It's quite simple. It's whether we obey the word of God and Jesus' commands. So I trust that you would think about those things this week. Thank you.